Good morning. We are going to be in Luke 2, 21 through 35 this morning. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Good reading today. So good. Well, you know, what what book of the Bible are we guys in? Yeah, Luke. I think it was like week one or week two. You guys started going... uh, the Luke, uh, I am your father phrase on me. So, and I was thinking about it this week, just dreaming a little bit, how cool that would have been if when all of you would have been like, Luke, if the lights would have dimmed and, and it would have kind of, kind of dark. And in fact, if it just completely got dark in this room. And then all of a sudden these blue letters came up on, what? Oh, let, let's figure it out. What's that?
All right. On the journey together. Luke 2, verse 21. And when eight days had passed, before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus. You can turn me way down, Jeremy. His name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two Young pigeons. We just got to say here, church, there's a lot of Jewish things going on in those verses. Just keep them up for a second. Look at there. There's a lot of customs, a lot of rituals uh, going on. And eight days have passed uh, since he was born. And, and then they call Jesus, Jesus. Just like, what was the angel's name that told them they should name him Jesus? Gabriel, right? Gabriel told them. Uh, that kind of reminds me of a couple of weeks ago. We saw Zachariah and what was Zachariah's wife's name? Zechariah and Elizabeth, when they were given the chance to obey the Lord and call their son John, they named him John. They jumped on that opportunity telling everyone around them, remember what everyone around them wanted him to be called, right? Named after his father, but instead they said, no, we're going to obey the Lord. We're going to declare his name is John. Now Mary Joseph, they're doing the same thing, obeying the angel, declaring his name is Jesus. And then Jesus is circumcised. Remember, Jesus is born under the law, Right? Under the law, he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So he is circumcised on the eighth day, just like was the custom for all the Jewish boys. And then verse 22, when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present Jesus to the Lord. Days for purification, right? What's that all about? Does anyone know? Well, let me tell you. Uh, again, so much Jewish culture, so much faith showing up in these passages. As good Gentile Christians, what do we do with these verses? We just skip them, right? We just, you know, I'll go to something, something else. But here we are. Uh, days of purification. Under Mosaic law, a woman would become ritually unclean when she gave birth to a child. Uh, if it was a birth of a son, it was 40 days of being unclean. And then after those 40 days had passed, the mother would come and she'd present an offering for her uncleanness. If you want to read more about this, you can read in Leviticus chapter 12. But then specifically in Leviticus chapter 12, verse 8, we're told this. But if she can't afford a lamb, if she doesn't have uh, the, uh, the um, finances to afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her and she will be clean. So that's what Mary does. And you'll notice uh, maybe you can uh, decipher a little bit where Joseph and Mary were on, on the um, financial side of things. They could not afford a lamb. Her sacrifice, it tells us, is a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. And then verse 23, it tells us that Jesus is the firstborn male. Firstborn male, holy to the Lord, presented to the Lord. Again, rituals, routines we don't always understand in our modern day, but every one of them is significant with Jesus being presented to the Lord. Exodus chapter 13 verse 12 tells you, you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males, they belong to the Lord. Earlier in that same chapter in verse 2, God says this. He says, every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both man and beast, God says, it belongs to me. It belongs to me. Well, why would God say such a thing? Well, remember the Passover? Uh, how many of you guys doing the daily reading plan at the church? I want to see your hands. Come on. So many of you. I love it. Uh, what did we read about this week? It starts with a P. 
Say it louder so everyone can hear you. The Passover, that's right. We learned about the Passover, the firstborn spared, right? The the blood on the doorpost as the angel of the death uh, came through Egypt. The firstborn so now belongs to God, dedicated for service to God. Now we know later in the book of Numbers, God ends up setting aside the Levites for the priesthood to serve God. So then from then on, the tribe of Levi now serving God, those 11 other tribes, they still present their firstborn to the Lord. But then we're told in Numbers 18.16 that they are redeemed. They are bought back. Numbers 18.16 for five shekels of silver, right? You'd present them, give the priest five shekels of silver, and they would be redeemed. Again, all of this stuff is just happening in these two little verses or three, four verses in chapter two of Luke. Circumcision of Jesus, eight, day eight, end of purification for Mary, along with an offering signifying at least the end of day 40. And then also Jesus being presented to the Lord as the firstborn male, the son of God being presented holy to the Lord. Now, the reason I wanted to quickly explain some of this to you guys is simply I want you to see how Joseph and Mary, Elizabeth, Zachariah, that these are true people of faith who are radically obeying the Lord. They are following the commands of God. Now, thanks be to God that we are under the new covenant because of Jesus, right? We don't have to follow all those Jewish laws. You don't have to be presented to the temple and then give Pastor Randy five shekels so that you can take your son home and You don't have to be circumcised on the eighth day. I'm really happy about that. I've never done a circumcision. I never want to do a circumcision, so praise the Lord for that. You don't have to live in seclusion after having a baby. And the one I'm really happy about, unlike the nation of Israel, we can all eat bacon. Praise the Lord. But as we've journeyed through this first section of Luke, I just want you to see their obedience to live under the law. It's amazing. Uh, In fact, it's been a healthy challenge for me. They are faithful, devout followers of the God of Israel. But I I can't help to think, in our own lives, where have you and I been called to that kind of obedience? Where have you and I been called to that kind of faithfulness, right? What has God commanded you to obey? Where must you walk in that kind of radical obedience? It reminds me, actually, we're told in the Bible, it reminds me of what my father said last week, and I, and I loved his message, and at the end of the message, he talked about how we're to love God and to love others. Hopefully, if you're a disciple of Christ or a studier of God's word, those, uh, that phrase kind of rings a bell, hopefully, right? Every one of us should know, aha, I know what that is, that's the great commandment right the great commandment to love god to love others first john chapter 3 tells it a little different he says and this is my commandment that we believe in the name of the son jesus christ and that we love one another just as he commanded us and then he goes on to say whoever keeps his commandments abides in god and god abides in him and then jesus himself declares to his disciples john 14 15 he says if you love me listen up if you love me you will keep my commandments That's still true today. If you love him, church, you will keep his commandments. And again, look at these lives of these very real people who love God. Not that they were perfect, right? They stumbled and doubted and all those types of things. But they loved God. And out of their great love for God, they obeyed God. And Lifespring, again, it is still true today. Church, there's no way around it. There's no way of sidestepping that. As a child of God, you are called to live a life of obedience to the commands of God. Do not think you can live the life that God has called you to live without that kind of obedience. 
Out of your great love for God, obey God, love him, and love others. Verse 25, and there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man, he was righteous. He was devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, remember Mary and Joseph, when they brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, right, to present him to the Lord, then Simeon took him into his arms. He blessed God. And look at what Simeon says. He says, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Whoa. Right? I mean, who is this guy? And what is he talking about? I mean, the scene, it comes out of nowhere. Now we read about another devout person of faith, which I don't know about you. I think that's pretty cool. Pretty cool because as a Christian in the year 2019, you can almost convince yourself that Jesus came into this godless, dark time where every person was against the Lord. No one was following God. But already we have met several people who are reverently serving the Lord. Now, including Simeon. Next week, you're going to hear about an amazing lady. Anyone know her name? Remember? Anna. And we're going to hear about her next week. But this reminds me, as dark as it sometimes feels in our society, there are always people who are serving the Lord. And if that isn't the way you're talking, shame on you. If you're just always Debbie Downer on stuff like that, shame on you. If you're just instilling fear amongst people, shame on you. Because there are always people who are serving the Lord. Just ask the Lord to give you eyes of faith to see them. It reminds me of Mr. Rogers. He has a great quote. He says, when I was a boy... I would see scary things in the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. Right? When it feels scary, when you see the bad things going on, when it feels dark, you can look for those that are helping. As true as that's in the natural world, it is also true in the spiritual world. When it looks scary, when you're full of fear, when it looks like the enemy is winning, look for the servants of God. Look for them. Encourage them. Pray for them. It reminds me of uh, the time that we spent praying for Fife and what the Lord wants to do in Fife. Every time that we pray for the Lord, or pray for Fife, every time the Lord tells me and shows me that there are people right now in, uh, in Fife, devout, faithful servants of God who are praying for their community, who are faithfully serving their community, who are shining the light of Christ in their community. Never forget that. Or the over 700 people who showed up Wednesday night. Where are my people at? That was incredible. (laughs) Praise the Lord. That night, I think about the prayer night that we had. I think about the worship night that we have. I feel like the Thursday morning prayer that we had. All these events where I I see the change that's happening. And again, there's 30, 40 of us that are doing that. But those 30 to 40, we're alive like never before. I've been changed, church. Look for those that are faithfully seeking the Lord and get to know them and encourage them and lay hands on them and pray for them. It's exciting. Always look for what God's doing. There are people like Simeon and they might come out of nowhere like, where did you come from? But his entire life he's been faithfully serving the Lord. And I spent Wednesday night with 700 of those people. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You're not alone, church. And if you start speaking that way, ask for forgiveness and repent of that. You are not alone. 
The Lord has people strategically planted all over this world for His Spirit to advance in this world like never before. Verse 25, Simeon, righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. So he's waiting for the King to come, for the Messiah to come. And then it says the Holy Spirit is on him. So important to have the Holy Spirit upon him. The Holy Spirit has even told him, it's quite the revelation, that he's not going to see death until what? Until he sees the Messiah, until he sees the Christ with his own eyes. And then verse 27, it says he comes in the Spirit in to the temple. Again, righteous, devout, he's looking, waiting, expecting. Messiah's going to come. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then he comes into the temple, but he comes what? In the Spirit. Not sure if you've been counting, probably not, but already in the first two chapters of Luke, Luke has mentioned the Holy Spirit seven times. And this is before Pentecost, right? This is before Acts chapter 2. He has already mentioned the Holy Spirit seven times. The Holy Spirit is such a vital part to a godly life. Do not be afraid of the Holy Spirit, but seek the Holy Spirit with everything you've got. I say this often, but there is no Christian life without the Holy Spirit-led life. The Holy Spirit, give Him permission today to come upon you and as a Christian to fill you, to take residence in you, but also to lead you today. So he comes in the Spirit into the temple and he sees the Christ. He sees the Messiah with his own eyes. He takes Jesus into his arms, right? Can you imagine this scene, church? Here is the Savior of the world and he blesses God and he says, and again, you can just imagine the joy of this moment, the culmination of a faithful life to God, of steadfast love, of perseverance, of endurance in the faith. And here he is holding this baby and verse 29 and 30, he says, Now, Lord, again, just imagine, church, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Just think about it. I mean, at this point, Jesus is probably around 40 days old. So instead of like, it's like this, right? <laughs> he's, he's a little baby. Have you held a 40-day-old baby before? Little, little baby. <laughs> Uh, Thursday morning, uh, Brayden in the back. He has a, a cute little girl. She's 135 days old. I got a picture of her. We went we went sledding on Monday. It was so fun, and 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 she's the one in the pink. Um, but she's 135 days old. So Jesus, he's she's three times older than Jesus probably at this point, and yet Simeon sees him. And he just knows as he's walking in the Spirit. Again, so important to be walking in the Spirit. He has this revelation. He just knows that in this baby boy is the salvation for the world. He's seen salvation with his eyes and he can finally rest. But then verse 32, he also tells him that Jesus is the light of revelation to the Gentiles. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. This would shock, by the way, any Jewish person who would have heard him say that. Because they're waiting for a Jewish Messiah who's going to save the Jewish people. But now Simeon says Jesus is going to be a light of revelation to all the non-Jewish people, right? To the Gentiles. This continues a theme that we heard last week uh, that my father talked about. The angel declared that Jesus is actually, remember, good news of great joy for who? Yeah, for all the people. 
Now, today's passage, Simeon declares he is a light of revelation to the Gentiles. If you go back 700 years before that to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, this is what he declares. He says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who walk in darkness will see a great light. He goes on to say, those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Jesus himself declares, John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God, he's revealing himself, making himself known to the whole world through the light of his son. That's why it's so important that you, again, walk in the spirit, that you are conformed to the image of Christ. Because when you do, here's a promise for you today, church. As you walk in the light, guess what? Your schools, your workplace, your home, you're going to be bringing the light of Christ into that room. Do you believe that? I, I sure do. I told you a couple of weeks ago, I'm more of an optimist than ever before. Because no matter how dark it seems when you get there, when you enter the room, the light of Christ enters that room. The light of Christ. Praise the Lord, by the way. May we be a little humbled and honored and just give praise to God that he would want to shine his light through you, through me. Praise the Lord. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. And then he finishes by saying this. And Jesus, along with this light of revelation to the Gentiles, he is the glory of Israel. The glory of God's people, Israel. And Jesus definitely is, right? Out of the nation of Israel. This little nation. Comes Jesus, the Savior of the world. From the line of David comes one who's now going to make atonement for all the sins of mankind. The glory of Israel. Now you've got to go kind of far back into the beginning of the book. But you remember when uh, God made his covenant with Abraham? Right? The Abrahamic covenant. Uh, he was told, Abraham, that he and his descendants, one, they would be a great nation. But if you remember, what was the next part? And that through them, all nations, what, will be blessed. Right? Through the nation of Israel, all the nations will be blessed. In Jesus, and blessed. In Jesus, it is now coming true like never before, right? In this baby, a descendant of Abraham, born in the people of Israel, the, now the entire world, the nations will be saved. Truly the glory of Israel. Hallelujah. Verse 33. And his father and mother, again, who are his father and mother? Yeah, Mary and Joseph. We, we hear a lot about them at Christmas, but then we stop talking about them. But hopefully we'll uh, talk about them a little bit here in February. Mary and Joseph, what, they are amazed at the things that are being said about Jesus. And let's be honest, what a year Mary and Joseph have had. Right? Can you imagine from that encounter with Gabriel and being a virgin, and then they got together, and then they had this baby, and now they're with Simeon? It's just like, Wow. They are amazed at what they're hearing about their son. Now, if you've ever been a parent before, if you've ever had someone talk well about your child, at some level, you kind of know what it feels like to be amazed, whether maybe it was like your uh, check-in with your teacher or maybe at an assembly and you're just really proud of your child or amazed at uh, who they are. But whatever that feeling is, let's just be honest here, that would pale in comparison to what Joseph and Mary must be feeling as Simeon just declares this incredible, powerful prophecy over their son. And so he blessed them Praise the Lord, right? Simeon comes in, he blesses them, and then he looks to Mary. And he says, Behold, the child is appointed for the fall 
and the rise of many in Israel. And he is for a sign to be opposed, and a sword, Mary, will pierce even your own soul. To the end, that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And I want to close by just spending some time on this. Jesus, he's appointed for the fall, but also the rise of many in Israel. The fall for some, the rise for others. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 9:33. He's quoting Isaiah here, but he says, As it is written, see, I lay in Zion a stone, a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. The one who believes in him will never be put to shame. A stumbling block for many to fall, but those who believe in him will never be put to shame. A.T. Robertson, he writes this, Jesus, he is the magnet of the ages. I love that. The magnet of the ages. He draws some, he repels others. Remember at the cross, there's three crosses, right? Robertson writes, one robber blasphemies and the other confesses. That's so true, isn't it? Just mention the name of Jesus in any conversation. Have you tried that before? Just throw it out there. See what happens. Some will be drawn in. They'll want to hear more. I love, I love that. I, I love that. When I get my hair cut, I love getting a haircut. And I love having a new person every time because they always ask me, what do you do? And I get to tell them. And the minute I tell them what I do, the conversation changes. Sometimes... <laughs> it draws them in. Other times, I'm ready for the haircut to be done because they have scissors in their hand. <laughs> but Simeon says that Jesus, he is assigned to be opposed. Assigned to be opposed. But then again, he looks to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and he says, A sword will pierce even your own soul. A sword will pierce even your own soul. It's amazing, right? This has been a pretty encouraging, happy, <laughs> exciting prophecy. But then he comes in and he prophesies about Mary's grief, right? Her future grief, a sword piercing her own soul. And, and we know, we know how the story goes. We know, we've read John chapter 19, verse 25, and that verse simply says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. She saw her own son being killed crucified a sword pierced her soul and then Simeon concludes by saying this to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed or as the new living says the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed you might want to write that one down when we think about why Jesus came and and what it means for the savior of the world to be uh, uh, Emmanuel God with us to now be here what does that mean he says again the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. See, this baby boy is going to change everything. He's going to reveal human beings for who we really are, right? There's no more hiding. Have you ever tried to hide before? There's no more hiding. With the life and death of Jesus, our true colors, they're made known. It's out in the open. I love how J.C. Ryle describes this truth. He writes, he says, and now what do we think of Christ? This is the question that ought to occupy our minds. What thoughts does he call forth in our hearts? He says, this is the inquiry which ought to receive our attention. Are we for him or are we against him? Do we love him or do we neglect him? 
Do we stumble at his doctrine or do we find it as life from the dead? And he concludes, let us never rest till these questions are satisfactorily answered. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, Christ's death revealed the thoughts of many hearts. It revealed the thought in the heart of Pilate that he loved popularity better than the truth. It revealed the thought of the heart of Judas that he loved gold better than he loved his master. It revealed the heart of Caiaphas that he would keep to old customs rather than to the right. It revealed the thought in the hearts of the disciples, showed what poor, timid, trembling hearts they had. Peter's impulsive spirit, too, was revealed in all its weakness by the death of the Savior. The cross is the great touchstone. Wherever it comes, it tests and tries us, even as the crucible tries the metal that is put into it and lets us know what manner of men we are. Do you love Christ? Do you glory in his cross? Then it is well with you, he writes. But do you despise the cross? Do you set up your own righteousness in opposition to it? Are you depending upon anything beside Jesus Christ and him crucified? Then his cross reveals you to be self-righteous, dead in your trespasses and your sins. And I think as we conclude today, every one of us must consider our own answers to these questions. Because Jesus reveals, again, our true hearts. When Jesus came, salvation came. Praise the Lord. When Jesus came, the light of the world came. Praise the Lord. The light of the world to shine in the darkness. But John chapter 3, we all know John three sixteen. but if you keep on reading a couple more verses, it says that, yes, praise the Lord, God's light came into the world. But people, what does it say? It says people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. See, not everyone will choose to receive the salvation that Jesus brings. Not everyone will choose to walk in the light as he is in the light. But what about you? What about me? Right? Will you run to him or will you run away from him? And with Jesus coming on the scene, there is no longer an option of just living that lukewarm life. There's no longer that option of just kind of riding on the fence, right? Where you got one leg in the, in the things of this world and one leg living for Jesus. No, he is the dividing line. He is the one who causes the rise and the fall of everyone. Will you say to him yes or will you say to him no? Will you accept him or reject him? Again, the deepest thoughts of your heart are revealed in his presence. And so I just say his presence is here today. So be honest with your king this morning in the life you are living. Who is Jesus to you? It's a great question to ask. Just who is Jesus to me? Does he actually affect your day-to-day life? When was the last time he had any influence in your day? Are you living for him? Are you serving him? Are you obeying him? Are you spending time with him? Is he just a religion or is he a relationship? When was the last time you had 15 minutes to yourself? In those 15 minutes, did you grab the glass of wine or did you pour out and search for the wine of his Holy Spirit? Has he won your heart? Has he won your affection? Is your greatest ambition to worship and serve the Lord? Or are you still living for yourself and living for the things of this world? You know, one of the greatest joys that I have as a pastor is I get to witness, with my own eyes, incredible life transformation. Again, in so many of you, through that 40 days of prayer and fasting, as you went to those various events, I saw it with my own eyes, the power of God to change our lives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is doing something so good in so many of you. 
I just love it. I've never seen just so much transformation happening in people. It is incredible. Praise the Lord. God is doing something good. But he wants to do that same thing in the others of you as well. He doesn't, he's not like a respecter of persons, right? He's just, he's all about all of you. He's not just putting you in little groups. He loves every one of you. And he wants to do something radical in your life. He wants transformation for you. And regardless of how you came in today, I get it. There's a list of things you did that were probably pretty stupid and dumb. But it doesn't matter. By his grace, you are here today. And you can right now give him permission to do some heart surgery on you today. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been there before? I, I, I feel like I'm there every day. Every day of my life. That's what I love about reading the Bible. I really need the Bible. And every time I read the Bible, every day, for the last, what, five and a half years, every day, it's just the Lord just works on my heart, works on my heart. Some of you today, you need heart surgery. You need the Lord to come in and to work on your heart. Tell him, just, hey, God, I'm ready to experience freedom. Work on my heart. Lord, I'm ready to experience not just this get out of hell free card that I keep in my back pocket, but I want to experience heaven on earth. I want to experience salvation, so have your way in my heart today. Others of you go, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I got Christ in me, but everything around me feels so dark. I want to walk in the light. I'm tired of walking in the dark. Then say, God, have your way. Do heart surgery in me today. No one can make that choice for you. That's, that's the hard part of being a pastor. Because I can't force nobody to do nothing. <laughs> but we can... Create an environment and an atmosphere for you to say yes to God. That's one of the reasons we have church on Sunday mornings. So we want to sing this song. And as we do, we just want to spend some quiet time with the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Just, and in this time, allow Him to search your heart. This week has been beautiful in my own life. Just as the Lord has examined my heart and shown me and revealed things Just allow Him to reveal things in your heart that aren't right. Right? The things that aren't of God. Those areas of disobedience. Those areas of rebellion. You'd use this time to repent. To repent and to turn. To give Him permission to change your heart. You know, come on church. We can try to put band-aids over a rebellious heart. But only the power of God can truly change a heart. Aren't you tired of the band-aids? Come on. Like how much money have we spent on the band-aids? To fix something that only God can fix. We need the Lord to change our hearts. We need Him to come in to remove that heart of stone and to give us that heart of flesh. That we would be alive in Jesus Christ. So as we sing, just invite the Holy Spirit to come upon you, but also to fill you and to change you from the inside out. That you would be conformed to the image of Christ. God's presence is here Praise the Lord. He is here. He loves you. He is for you, not against you. His very presence dwells amongst us, but also in us. And in His presence, our hearts are laid bare. There's no more hiding. There's no more secrets. There's no more hiding. There's no more secrets. There's no more hiding. There's no more secrets. Use this time to let Him search you you'd leave here today ready to grab a hold of his hand to obey his word and do what he says
Search my heart. I search my heart and search my soul. There's nothing else that I want more. Shine your light. Make it our prayer this morning. Shine your light. And show your faith. Have your way, Lord, in my life. Lord, have your way. So with all my heart and all my soul, with all I am, Lord, I will follow you. You took the cross. You took my shame. Restored my life. Now I live to worship you. Oh, I live to worship you, Lord. Lord, you lay our hearts bare before you. We surrender our hearts to you, Jesus. For some of us, we just need to kneel before you, God. Others of us, to come before your altar, just to stand and kneel before you, asking for true heart surgery, that we'd not leave here the same. We'd not leave here the same, Lord Jesus. Hear my cry, Lord, hear my prayer. Oh, draw me close, I know you're near, and give me strength, oh, and give me grace, to walk with you, Lord, to walk with you, Lord, oh, my day. You took my shame, 
Again, if you need prayer, please don't feel rushed to leave. We'll pray for you this morning. Okay. Lord, we just thank you and we give you all